And now for something completely different. The Celebrated Jumping Frog of Calaveras County. A story written by Samuel Clemens, better known as Mark Twain, in 1865 and published in 1867. A story where the narrator retells a story heard from a bartender, Simon Wheeler. This is Heirloom Radio. Truly is a different kind of oldies program. My name is John Lovering. I'm your host, and I thank you for listening. The Celebrated Jumping Frog of Calaveras County by Mark Twain In compliance with the request of a friend of mine who wrote me from the East, I called on good-natured, garrulous old Simon Wheeler and inquired after my friend's friend, Leonidas W. Smiley, as requested to do, and I hereunto append the result. I have a lurking suspicion that Leonidas W. Smiley is a myth, that my friend never knew such a personage, and that he only conjectured that. If I asked old Wheeler about him, it would remind him of his infamous Jim Smiley, and he would go to work and bore me nearly to death, with some infernal reminiscence of him as long and tedious as it should be useless to me. If that was the design, it certainly succeeded. I found Simon Wheeler dozing comfortably by the barroom stove of the old dilapidated tavern in the ancient mining camp of Angels, and I noticed that he was fat and bald-headed, and had an expression of winning gentleness and simplicity upon his tranquil countenance. He roused up and gave me a good day. I told him a friend of mine had commissioned me to make some inquiries about a cherished companion of his boyhood named Leonidas W. Smiley, Reverend Leonidas W. Smiley, a young minister of the gospel who he had heard was at one time a resident of Angel's Camp. I added that if Mr. Wheeler could tell me anything about this Reverend Leonidas W. Smiley, I would feel under many obligations to him. Simon Wheeler backed me into a corner and blockaded me there with his chair and and then sat me down and reeled off the monotonous narrative which follows this paragraph. He never smiled, he never frowned, he never changed his voice from the gentle flowing key to which he timed the initial sentence, he never betrayed the slightest suspicion of enthusiasm, but all through the interminable narrative there ran a vein of impressive earnestness and sincerity, which showed me plainly that so far from his imagining that there was anything ridiculous or funny about his story, he regarded it as a really important matter, and admired its two heroes as men of transcendent genius in finesse. To me, the spectacle of a man drifting serenely along through such a queer yarn without ever smiling was exquisitely absurd. As I said before, I asked him to tell me what he knew of Reverend Leonidas W. Smiley, and he replied as follows. I let him go on his own way, and never interrupted him once. 
There was this fella here once by the name of Jim Smiley in the winter of 49, or maybe it was the spring of 50. I don't recollect exactly. Somehow, though, what makes me think it was one of the other is because I remember the big flume wasn't finished when his first came to the camp. But anyway, he was the curious uh, man about always betting on anything that turned up you ever see. If he could get anybody to bet on the other side. And if he couldn't, he'd change sides. Anyway, that suited the other man, would suit him. Anyway, just so he's got a bet, he was satisfied. But still, he was a lucky, uncommonly lucky. He most always come out winner. He was always ready and laying for a chance. There couldn't be no sultry thing mentioned that that fella'd offer to bet on, and take any side you please, as if it was just telling you. If there was a horse race, you'd find him flush, or you'd find him busted at the end of it. If there was a dog fight, he'd bet on it. If there was a cat fight, he'd bet on it. If there was a chicken fight, he'd bet on it. Why, if there were two birds sitting on a fence, he would bet you which one would fly off first. Or if there was a camp meeting, he would be there regular to bet on Parson Walker, which he judged to be the best exhorter about there. And so he was, too, and a good man. If he even seen the straddlebug start to go anywheres, he would bet you how long it would take him to get wherever it was he was going to, and if you took him up, he would follow the straddlebug to Mexico. But what he would find out, where he was bound for and how long he was on the road. Lots of the boys here has seen that smiley and can tell you about him. Why, it never make no difference to him. He would bet on anything, the dangdest feller. Parson Walker's wife laid very sick once for a good while, and it seemed as if they weren't going to be able to save her. But one morning, he come in, and Smiley asked him how she was, and he said she was considerable better, thank the Lord for his infinite mercy. And coming on so smart that, with the blessing of Providence, she'd get well yet. And Smiley, before he thought, says, well, I'll risk two and a half that she don't. Anyway, this year, Smiley had a mare. The boys called her the 15-minute nag. But that was only in fun, you know, because, of course, she was faster than that. And he used to win money on that horse. For all, she was so slow and always had the asthma, or the distemper, or the consumption, or something of that kind. They used to give her two or three hundred yards start and then pass her on their way. But always at the fag end of the race, she'd get herself excited and desperate-like and come cavorting and straddling up and scattering her legs around limber, sometimes in the air, and sometimes out to one side amongst the fences and kicking up more dust and raising more racket and with her coughing and sneezing and blowing her nose and always fetch up at that stand just about a neck ahead, as near as you could cipher it down. And he had a little small bull pup that, to look at him, you'd think he weren't 
worth a cent but to sit around and look ornery and lay for a chance to steal something. But as soon as money was up on him, he was a different dog. His underjaw'd begin to stick out like the forecastle of a steamboat, and his teeth would uncover and shine savage like the furnaces, and a dog might tackle him and and, and bullyrag him and bite him and throw him over his shoulder two or three times, and Andrew Jackson, which was the name of the pup, Andrew Jackson, would never let on but what he was satisfied and hadn't expected nothing else, and the bets being doubled and doubled on the other side all the time till the money was all up, and then all of a sudden he would grab that other dog just by the jint of his hind leg and freeze to it. Not try, you understand, but only just grip and hang on till they throwed up the sponge, if it was a year. Smiley always come out winner on that pup. Tilly harnessed a dog once that didn't have no hind legs, because they'd been sawed off by a circular saw, and when the thing that had gone along far enough, and the money was all up, and he come to make a snatch for his pet holt, he saw in a minute how he'd been imposed upon, and how the other dog had him in the door, so to speak, and he peered surprised, and then he looked sort of discouraged like, and didn't try no more to win the fight, and so he got shucked out bad. He gives Smiley a look, as much as to say his hat was broke, but it was his fault for putting up a dog that hadn't no hind legs for him to take hold of, which was his main dependence in a fight, and then he limped off a piece and laid down and died. It was a good pup, was that Andrew Jackson, and would have made a name for himself if he'd lived, for the stuff was in him, and he had genius, I know it, because he hadn't had no opportunity to speak of, and it don't stand a reason that a dog could make such a fight as he could under them circumstances if he hadn't no talent. It always makes me feel sorry when I think of that last fight of his'n and the way it turned out. Well, this year Smiley had rat taters and chicken cocks and tomcats and all them kind of things till you couldn't rest and you couldn't fetch nothing for him to bet on, but he'd match you. He catched a frog one day and took him home and said he calculated to educate him. And so he never done nothing for three months but sit in his backyard and learn that frog to jump. And you bet you he did learn him to jump. He'd give him a little punch behind, and the next minute you'd see that frog whirling in the air like a donut. See him turn one somersault, or maybe a couple, if he could get a good start and come down flat-footed and all right like a cat. He got him up. So in the matter of catching flies and kept him in the practice so constant that he'd nail a fly every time as far as he could see. Smiley said all a frog wanted was education, and he could do most anything, and I believe him. Why, I've seen him set Daniel Webster down on the floor, Daniel Webster was the name of the frog, and sing out, flies, Daniel, flies, and quicker than year could wink, He'd spring straight up and snake a fly off in the counter there and flop down on the floor again as solid as a gob of mud 
and fall to scratching the side of his head with his hind foot as indifferent as if he hadn't no idea he'd been doing any more than any other frog might do. You never see a frog so modest and straightforward as he was, for all he was so gifted. And when it came to fair and square jumping on a dead level, he could get over more ground at one straddle than any animal of his breed you ever see. Jumping on a dead level was his strong suit, you understand. And when it come to that, Smiley would ante up money on him as long as he had a red. Smiley was monstrous proud of that frog, and well he might be. For fellas that had traveled and been everywheres, all said he laid over any frog that ever they see. While Smiley kept the beast in a little lattice box, and he used to fetch him downtown sometimes and laid it for a bet. One day a fella, a stranger in camp, he was come across with him and carrying a box and says, what might it be there you got in that box? And Smiley sort of indifferent like, it might be a parrot or it might be a canary, maybe. But it ain't, it's only just a frog. And the fella took it and looked at it carefully and turned it around this way and that and say, hmm, so tis. Well, what's he good for? Well, Smiley says, easy and careless. He's good enough for one thing. I should judge he can outjump any frog in Calaveras County. The fella took the box again and took another long, particular look and gave it back to Smiley and says, very deliberate, well, I don't see no pints about that frog that any better than any other frog. Maybe you don't, Smiley says. Maybe you understand frogs, and maybe you don't understand them. Maybe you had experience, and maybe you ain't only a amateur, as it were. Anyways, I've got my opinion, and I'll risk $40 that he can outjump any frog in Calaveras County. And the fellow studied a minute, and then said, kind of sad like well i'm only a stranger here and i ain't got no frog but if i had a frog i'd bet you and then smiley says that's all right that's all right if you hold my box a minute i'll go and get you a frog and so the fellow took the box and put up his forty dollars along with smiley's and sat down to wait so he sat there a good while thinking and thinking to himself and and then he got the frog out and prized his mouth open and took a teaspoon and filled him full of quail shot, filled him pretty near up to his chin, and set him on the floor. Smiley, he went to the swamp and slopped around in the mud for a long time, and finally he catched a frog and fetched him in and give him to the feller and says, Now, if you're ready, set him alongside of Dan'l, with his forepaws just even with Dan'l, and I'll give you the word. Then he says, one, two, three, jump. And him and the feller touched up the frogs from behind, and the new frog hopped off. But Dan'l gave a heave and heisted up his shoulders, so like a Frenchman, but it wasn't no use. He couldn't budge. He was planted as solid as an anvil, and he couldn't no more stare than if he was anchored out. Smiley was a good deal surprised, and he was disgusted too, but he didn't have no idea what the matter was, of course. 
The fellow took the money and started away. And when he was going out the door, he sort of jerked his thumb over his shoulders this way at Dan'l and says again, very deliberate, well, I don't see no points about that frog that any better than any other frog. Smiley, he stood scratching his head and looking down at Dan'l a long time, and at last he says, I do wonder what in the nation that frog throwed off for. I wonder if there taint something the matter with him. He appears to look mighty baggy somehow. And he catched Daniel by the nap of the neck and lifted him up and says, Why blame my cats if he don't weigh five pound? And turned him upside down and he belched out a double handful of shot. And then he see how it was, and he was the maddest man he set that frog down, took out after that fella, but he never catched him. And, here Simon Wheeler heard his name, called from the front yard, and got up to see what was wanted. And turning to me as he moved away, he said, Just set where you are, stranger, and rest easy. I ain't going to be gone but a second. But by your leave, I did not think that a continuation of the history of this enterprising vagabond, Jim Smiley, would be likely to afford me much more information concerning Reverend Leonidas W. Smiley, and so I started away. At the door I met the sociable Wheeler returning, and he buttonholed me and recommenced, Well, this here Smiley had a yellow, one-eyed cow that didn't have no tail, only just a short stump like a banner. Hang Smiley and his afflicted cow, I muttered, good-naturedly, and bidding the old gentleman good day, I departed.